0: Hello and welcome to Gaming the Podcast, the show that celebrates video games and the people who make them. My name is John Robertson and I'm joined as ever by Stace Harmon and this week we are focusing on the opening hour of Demon Souls. What makes it great, what makes it so memorable and what makes it work so well. This is the second show we've done that focuses on the opening hour of a specific game, the first being Metal Gear Solid 2, so do go back and check that episode out. Uh so Stace, we've both played the opening hour of Demon's Souls again. Uh and to be clear, we replayed the opening hour of Blue Points remaster remake of Demon's Souls on PS5. Uh so yeah, what are your thoughts of the um, opening hour? I suppose actually, what what constitutes an hour for you? How far mm. did you get in an yeah. hour?
1: Okay, so yeah, this was gonna be the thing I was gonna kick off with, because the opening hour <clears throat> unlike other games where an hour is kind of a distinct point the opening hour of demon souls or any souls game is very heavily subjective um it depends how how much experience you've got with the game and, and i guess how good you are at it and how far you can get so the opening hour for me was starting from uh the tutorial area um kind of the prison area and then going through the nexus, um, going through, um, to the castle, the gates of Bolateria, um, Archstone and working my way through that. And I reached the point where you see the dragon, uh, for the, well, the first time you see it earlier on in the inner cutscene, but you kind of meet the dragon for the first time on the bridge. Uh, and it does what dragons do and breathes fire and immolates everything. Um, So that's a little bit, I don't know, a few minutes, I guess, before the first boss, I didn't get quite as far as that. And I would say that I only got that far in that amount of time because I did play the original Demon Souls and completed that. And a lot of my experience of that kind of came rushing back as I played the first hour of this. I was surprised by how much of the layer came rushing in, in crystal PTSD clarity. Um, Yeah, I was surprised by how much I remembered without remembering it, that makes sense. Mm. Uh, Like, there's an enemy around this corner. Don't go up this staircase, because there's going to be a trap and all of this sort of stuff. Um, And I know that the first time I played Demon's Souls back in, my goodness, 2009, or whenever I first played it, um, I wouldn't have got anywhere near that far in, in an hour. But yeah, for this time around, on kind of the second time of asking, as an experienced player of the Souls games these days... Uh, I got to that point with the dragon breathing fire and just getting past that and kind of opening up the first boss bit. Yeah. So how does that compare to where you got
0: um, in your first hour? It's interesting. So you, did you say if you died in yours or not? I, uh,
1: I didn't. I did, And I, you know, that certainly wasn't the case the first time I played I Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't die in my, yeah. in my opening hour, which I was kind of surprised by that as well, actually, that I didn't. These games are meant to be hard, aren't they? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, some, some say that maybe we just got good
0: but the um yeah so i got uh, so in I, I cheated a bit so in about 70 65 70 minutes i defeated the first boss uh well the second boss i suppose the the phalanx sure. box boss oh yeah um yeah. the one that you the one that you unlocked um yeah so but yeah. i died twice in that time and so i i must just play so faster
1: you, yeah Absolutely, because yeah, you yeah, I think yeah, because you'd have had to. Because I that went back
0: through the start yeah. twice or well, three yeah. times, three <laughs> times.
1: Um, back, yeah, well, back no, to I it didn't, twice. Yeah, didn't die, and I got that far, and I felt I was playing pretty. I mean, not aggressively, but I, I wasn't playing. Kind of you know, I knew I kind of remembered the attacks, Oh, I recognized the attacks, having seen them once, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember the timing window for parrying some of these, some of them I didn't at all, some of them I thought I did, and then found out quite quickly that I didn't, particularly the blue knight um like the blue faced knight people, yeah uh, those enemies. I thought I had those timings down and and i it turned out I absolutely didn't uh but no i didn't i didn't die uh, some of that I think is you do get the game's quite generous in how man, how many items it either gives you in terms of sort of your critical path through that level, or it makes available through just small detours, um, had mm. a lot of healing items. Yeah. Obviously you need to be able to use them. It's just the game does a very, well, it does many, many very clever things, but that risk reward of, it takes a certain amount of time to use a healing item. It's not an instant thing. There's an animation that goes with it. It actually requires, a, a you know, a, uh, ingesting of this herb. um, and you have to be careful where you use that, because otherwise you might open yourself up to further attacks, which is, you know, of course, a very deliberate design choice. And so, yeah, but you do end up with a lot of them. So I, I didn't, yeah, you know, I didn't die... Um, did you
0: do any of the optional things did you because i did some of the optional stuff i went and got a strava the guy that you can save i, I got, did do that i did do him uh, yeah i didn't yeah. do like the 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 church bit that the red knight um, no i didn't do that although you can't go in there at that point in the game <laughs> i anyway. remember
1: well enough the first time i tried to do that because uh, he's just standing it's again done very well he's standing there you can see him you know he's, he's it's not just like you walk around a corner and there he is in front of you He's at the other end of like a little walkway. You see him and he doesn't move. If you don't do anything, he will just stand there. It will just stand there. And yeah. so, you know, and I remember from my, my early experience of Demon Souls thinking, yeah, sure, I'll take, I've already beaten the blue ones of these. So I'll take on the red one and get in swiftly kicked up the backside. So no, I didn't take that on. I did go and get some of the stuff from the dragons. Um, the two dragons that are perched uh, kind of mm-hmm. in their own little area. I kind of went along the cliff edge and you can get some pretty decent items from, um from that bit, some upgrade materials I think you pick up. Um so yeah, some. I certainly did some of I also did a lot of the uh there's I think the shortcut that you open up if you go down a stairwell yeah, I did to a that. certain point, yeah. open up a shortcut. Um I did that as well. So that's, yeah, but I died
0: that side died twice on that bit trying to do that shortcut. Going both okay. going down the stairs both times. The guys are the dredglings with the flaming swords. Yeah. The same little mob of them killed me. Yeah. Yeah. Both times. Yeah. Might as well get all my souls back both times before they did it, but still. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So that, that's the opening hour was okay. So it was more or less, it was the same ish, I think probably for both of us, I think it would be interesting. And it's an experiment that we can't run ourselves, but interesting to see what at the opening hour for somebody that hasn't previously played a demon souls or, or even a souls game, but You know, I played it back, you know, years ago. You played this this remake more recently. Um, But for somebody experiencing that for the first time, I imagine an hour doesn't get you very far at all. Uh, Or certainly it didn't get me very far the first time I ever played Demon's Souls. Again, I think we have talked about, I think you do play games a bit more. Aggressively feels like there's a better word than that. But um, I think I definitely play more more, games more
0: aggressively now than I used to when I was younger. I think I used to be much more careful and now I'm mm. much more give me the strongest weapon in the game <laughs> and, I, and I will just work out how to use it. Like it might be yeah. really slow. Like in Bloodborne, I used the biggest, slowest weapon, even in Bloodborne, even though Bloodborne right. is that bit faster, I was just mm-hmm. using the biggest, slowest weapon. I was like, I'll just work out how to use it. And I'll just deal a huge damage when I have figured out how to use it. And I, I will yeah. just doggedly just carry on until I've figured mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i've never liked even though i used to play a bit more i've never liked like roguey kind of, kind of like with like little rapiers or daggers mm-hmm. or anything that's like mm-hmm. my like least favorite kind of character
1: yeah i um, don't see I, i'm yeah i'm the same on that bit i've not one, I do like to be pretty nimble. I don't like the basically. I don't like that that whatever the armor is, where you get to a point where it's actively um, or demonstrably slowing down your rolls. Like yeah. that's not a thing that I'm interested that's in. Horrible, that. I stay the other side of that. But I do, yeah, I don't go to the super quick. And and some of that is I don't trust myself to be good enough for that to continue to pay off. I know that if if that starts going wrong against the boss, particularly, I'm probably going to panic and then just die. So I need some. I need sort of a middle ground. I need some sort of level of protection. So I was the hunter. I chose a hunter who who starts with an axe and a shield uh, and a bow. Mm -hmm. Um, and the axe is, you know, it's a pretty hefty weapon. The animation for that is particularly on the, on like the when you successfully parry or when you get behind them and you get that little kind of canned animation of doing it. That's quite slow. That for the axe. Um which you know has its again its own gameplay uh, sort of consequences or things you need to consider it can
0: have benefits though because it stops other attacks well it stops it, you taking damage from other attacks during the animation
1: yeah if you can pull that off when you're surrounded it does yeah there's like a well
0: they although, yeah, although that a, can work against you because there are some frames of animation at the end of it or as it stops where you're
1: still not fully in control of your character but you are open to damage right. and that can <laughs> right, mess okay. you up so yeah so it's a trader. so the so yeah the opening hour for demon souls for me that's kind of that that's what it means though in this instance on this particular occasion that's what it meant for me to get to yeah. that point so um, so
0: what's your um i don't know what are your takeaways from the opening hour i suppose that's why we're yeah. here but um mm. and, and it's not just i suppose it's not just i mean let's let's concentrate mainly on demon souls but i mean it's important to point out that this is the opening hour of a souls game as well o- opening hour of, mm-hmm. all, of all souls games all souls born games yeah. whatever yeah um so um so yeah, yeah it well, does some things that are prevalent that continue throughout all the games
1: yeah um, and there's a there's an education element here of course as the you know as there is with any with any game there is a tutorial here you know the the prison section um A tutorial in the sense of here's some messages on the ground from the game, you know, hard baked into the game that tell you that R2 is a heavy attack and R1 is a standard attack, etc. There is a period of play where you are told a bit of information. And you, you take the information on board and then in, probably invariably you try that out. You learn how to parry and then probably the next thing you're going to do on the next enemy that comes around the corner is, oh, I'm going to try and parry this this enemy. Yeah. I nailed um, that
0: on my, I'll, I'll add to the bit in the video right now where I nailed the parry first time after getting the message, <laughs> which I was quite happy about that. because I didn't use a shield very much when I played through this game properly. Mm-hmm
1: yeah see i i would definitely i would go definitely go the shield route and i will carry on playing it now because as i mentioned i haven't played through this remake remaster uh yet i started it and i, but I haven't actually done it so and I, I think i will continue with the character that i've got and they do come with the shield and that's the thing i enjoy the most about the shield it's A similar way with bloodborne is those that stagger kind of animation that you get and then you get to kind of close the distance and, and going for a killing blow um so yeah, so there is a tutorial um which ends with a vanguard demon which you fight in a very small area. It's very deliberately curated, of course. You fight yeah. in a very small area. There's like, not a lot of room to move.
0: I always think, like, why is he hanging out there? Like it must be so uncomfortable for him. He's basically the width of the room.
1: <laughs> he's got well, yeah, I mean maybe, like, what a place maybe to he's to a live. prisoner. Maybe he's a prisoner. you know, maybe there's a there's like a, a sad narrative that he's a prisoner and his sole purpose is to kill heroes or something. Um, But yeah, I went into that fight. It's a fight you're not meant to win. They do this in other games, certainly in um, Sekiro most recently was what it reminded me of. There's a fight that you do early on in that, that you're absolutely not meant to win. You're meant to die. I think in that, that results in your hand being chopped off. But that nonetheless, this being From Software, you can win it. It is winnable. It's not that it's, they don't cheat. They don't make it impossible for you to win. They don't, you know, cheese it. Um, so I went into that fight with the, de- the Vanguard demon, kind of pumped up. I was like, okay, I know how to play this game. I remember this. Uh, I've got all my energy. I've got plenty of healing items. I'm ready. And inevitably I went in, I got hit. I didn't, I didn't even hit the demon once. I got hit once and I was dead. <laughs> and that made me chuckle to myself. And so, oh yeah, this is, this is what it's about.
0: Yeah. You must have got hit with an unlucky attack or, or the worst attack possible. Cause I got hit and had enough energy to stay alive and to heal myself back up and then i got him down mm. to like i don't know just below half and then he and then he killed me um, yeah I,
1: I didn't expect to be dead but there i was i, I was knocked down i was like, okay i'm gonna get up but no i had no energy enough so then i was that was the end of it um and that area for me is not particularly i don't feel that like that is particularly uh informative about what the game is in the way that you go on to explore the nexus and then which is kind of the hub area for for anybody that doesn't know um I think and what, then you go to the castle.
0: Yeah, I think what the opening tutorial section does up to and including the Vanguard demon though is it is it teaches you that you're going to die, right? Like like you say you're expected to die on that mm. on that on that fight. So it teaches you that dying is not necessarily a bad thing because it immediately teaches you that dying leads to progress in that sure. in that instance. And yeah. I know dying doesn't directly lead to progress progress elsewhere in the game. But in a way, it does in the sense that you're you're encouraged to explore and experiment and take risks to an extent um, mm. and act in a way that wouldn't just be typical, um, you know, path of least resistance. Just do whatever's easiest in front of you. I mean, so you can yeah. you can kind of play like that. But I think the game does through that tutorial and then beyond. Um, it just sets that. That sort of vision in your mind that oh okay dying actually isn't just the end here like it does it pushes you on to other things in that case you go to the nexus and the whole game opens up eventually and whatever so dying is falling forward rather than falling back
1: yeah yeah and I and the I think I I would like to see though I would like to see your souls confiscated. At the point that you die on that, because they're not, and I don't, I didn't remember that, but you die, that Vanguard Demon, and I would imagine it's specifically when you get killed by the Vanguard Demon, not if you die um, during the build up, which I, I don't know, but if you, if the Vanguard Demon kills you, you go to the Nexus and you keep whatever paltry amount of souls you've collected to that point, you know, a couple of hundred maybe. Um, and I think, I think there could have been a thing there that you, you lose those and it teaches you that you know, there's the slight sting of I've lost that. And at that point, you know, you don't know that 200 souls isn't a lot. It sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, nice. yes, yeah, absolutely nothing, but yeah, so you keep those as you go through to the Nexus. But so the, so yeah, that's, that has a certain uh value, a certain interest, but the, it's the fact that you are them free the thing that i i enjoy a lot about demon souls and I'd, I'd forgotten a little bit but it came came back to me quite quickly was the pacing of it and how much you are left to your own devices to explore and to push into the areas that you want to push into and that includes kind of being able to see an area from a vantage point and thinking okay there's a bunch of enemies there i'm going to go and i'm going to actively choose to go and take that on or not or i'm going to go and look for another way or maybe i need to take them on so i'm going to make sure i'm stocked up first there's a you're given a lot of information through deliberate design and not the you know what might in other games perhaps be a bit of like hammy dialogue with oh that looks like a really tough area i need to prepare you're not told any of that you're just you know you're shown not told um yeah you're only shown if you look as well yes yeah yeah it's very much so like the information is there in a lot of areas in demon souls the information is there and it's up to you to interpret it to see it in the first place to determine what to do with it if anything um yeah yeah. so
0: I, i think yeah i mean some of the some of the reactions notes that i've written in response to the opening hour kind of agree with that and reflect that so like you know you can go and see you can see the dragons for the first time before that dragon Mm -hmm. comes and Mm -hmm. um burns the bridge um but it's up to you what you do what you do with that the game isn't going to tell you um oh that's too hard for you don't do that right Mm. now it's it's you can like the training rules are off you can do you can do whatever you want it's up to you to make your mistakes it's up to you to learn from your mistakes um it's up to you to try a different um, route or different tactic um, next time. So that opening hour is it's not as tough as you want to make it. Although you can make it tougher if you want on you, on yourself. Um, and I think interestingly, and I think this is something that's quite pertinent looking at the opening hour as the opening hour of From Software's Souls offering is that your best friend early on, as long as you're playing online. Are the messages that are written mm-hmm. all over the ground? Like they're really like in the absence of a real tutorial, your uh education and uh learning can come through the eyes of other people, um, either through the messages or through the deaths that you see um, other people have taken if you look at the bloodstains. Mm-hmm. Um And it's an interesting it's a bold approach to have other players hints be your only real guide yeah. through a world that is otherwise um beautifully realized but incredibly lonely and isolating and you know incredibly incredibly dangerous your only connection through help is these non-physical messages mm. like these players aren't helping you directly they're not coming into your game and helping you um so yeah, setting up that um, sense of isolation with you at the centre of it and everything that you do is by yourself and you're learning these things by yourself. But that little link to the outside world and to other players that have also gone through this horrible mm. situation I think is quite clever um, because it sets, the grand, it sets the game both on an intimate level in your isolation but then also on a grand level, not just with the visuals and that, but a grand level in that, oh, I'm one of many going through this horrible yeah, thing almost like you're all traveling through hell together you know but it's like your unique hell but you've got these tiny little windows onto other people's hells and they're trying yeah. to give you hints
1: yeah and there is some solace in that i think and i think it also does a very clever thing of it it fosters a sense of community for a game that particularly originally and i know that we're talking here about the much more recent um remake but Remaster, I should say. Particularly, originally, the game was incredibly uh, obtuse in in the way that it chose to give you information, particularly about things like the world tendency. And what I mean by obtuse, I mean basically, it didn't give you information about the world tendency. You had to find that out. That was that was generally, or certainly, the way that I found it out. I think this is true for for everybody, but I think certainly the way I found it out was you had to rely on the community to go and look for what that meant. And that meant going outside of the game and looking online uh, to f- to understand how different world tendencies affected the game and character tendencies affected the game. And that, again, is like that little sense of community of here's some messages to help you promotes the idea of there are people out there, outside of the game, um, outside of mind of into instance of the game, who have experienced this, who might know more, who I might be able to share information with, or who I can kind of go and find. And it, it does a good job of, of fostering that sense of community without actively saying that that's what you need to do. And that's quite a, you can certainly play through it without the, you know, you can play through it offline. There's no, you know, absolutely there's, you're not, you're not punished for doing that. Uh, But there is, like a lot more stuff that you learn and a lot more layers to the information that you can gather if you go and kind of use the hive mind rather than just trying to figure it out yourself. Um, And that, I think, starts with those messages, absolutely. Those very, like, yeah, they're very prominent sort of glowing messages that it starts in game and it it leads to other things if you want it to. It leads to other conversations about the game and theorising and all of that if you want it to.
0: Yeah, what do you think about that? Because I know someone who, I won't name names, but they're quite strict on the idea that looking outside of the game itself or any information pertaining is, to the yeah. game is ruins the a game. failure. Yeah. I, well, yeah, but not necessarily a failure of design, although I think okay. they probably would also mm. probably agree with that. Um, but it's a failure on, they see it as like a cheap, like it's, it's a failure on the player's part in that if you want to find out how to do something in the game or what the law is, then you should, as the player, go and figure that out rather than mm. just go and you know lazily in their mind, go and look it up online i mean i think actually this game or the Souls games in general other games as well but these are sort of like the originators of it or or the big successful originators of it um they're purposely designed for you to go and look up stuff Mm. surely they are and surely that creates a bigger community as you said it creates a sense of community um in that there's all these people all going in and combining their minds to put the big picture together. And without that, there's really no reasonable way that any individual would be able to piece everything together or know that they've pieced everything together, like the, know that they've left no stone unturned. But as a group, yeah. as, a, as a global player base, you can be more certain or more, more sure that you have left no yeah. stone unturned.
1: Well- I do, un- I understand that. And I would say I'm kind of giving from software. Um, it's not the benefit of the doubt by any means. It's the, I'm, I'm giving them, I think credit perhaps based on proven results. A bit like when we spoke about Hideo Kojima a while back and the, the episode we did on him that. In his games, when things are left ambiguous or when things look a certain way, it invites you to question what they mean or to theorize about what they mean in a way that other games don't. In another game, you might look at something and just be like, that's dumb. But in Kojima games, you might look at something and think, well, okay, that seems a bit dumb, but there must be a reason that's there. And there's a similar thing here with From Software and that idea, that sense of community outside of the game that I do, I believe, and I'm sort of willing to. Accept this sort of line of reasoning on it—that it is deliberate, that you are meant to do that. But I can see an example. I absolutely can think of examples where, if if that were how it was set up, that you have to go and find this information outside of the game online, that can definitely look like and can be, in some cases, bad design or lazy design or like you're cheating or like you know, there's definitely a darker side to that but in this instance with from software i believe that it's a, a deliberate attempt to foster that community that that starts with those messages because they don't need you know there's a reason that that system is in there there's a lot of like system generated messages there's a lot of those hard boiled messages that are there yeah. like in the tutorial that say r2 is a heavy attack they're not left by other players of course um But the fact that the community kind of bounds together and then there's the rating system and you can say whether it's a good message or a bad message or helpful or not helpful. Um, I think it starts there and then it invites that going and seeking those. It's almost like for me, it's almost like going and seeking out those faceless, anonymous kind of contributors or those those fellow people that have gone through this with you and, and talking with them. And then learning more stuff along the way. And I, I, I can see that, yeah, if you have to, I think if, if it was stuff where if you don't do X, then you're going to miss out a big part of the game. And the only way to do X is to go and find that out online. That's one thing, but the game is complete in and of itself. If you play offline and you never speak to another soul <laughs> that wasn't deliberate about your experience, your experience is still complete. You've still had a complete demon souls experience. There's no. It's not like, oh, you've only seen half the game. Yeah. It's just there's more to it if you choose to go and kind of search that information out. So that's yeah, my take on it is that it's a deliberate thing. I give FromSoftware kind of the the credit for that, I guess, um, rather than viewing yeah. it as a negative.
0: So sort of like based off well, kind of related to to that that sense of community. Like I despite that, I've in the opening of the game. Um, it's quite um, it's quite lonely, and I don't know if I've said that before, but it's quite feels, mm-hmm. and it almost goes like quite sad as well, right? Like mm-hmm. the game, like the Maiden and Black, the other people in the Nexus, you like just the visuals, the music, um, the whole mm-hmm. world seems like it's sort of I don't know, like weeping, like crying for itself or for whatever you don't know in the first hour, but.
1: It's not um, a triumphant hero's story start, is it? It's like you start down. I mean, you you start dead. You start downtrodden. You start in soul form. Uh, you start. You know. Yeah. It's not. I don't think it's meant to be happy. I think. Yeah. You're right. It is. It is sad. Yeah. And I think that's. Yeah.
0: Uh, and and I think one of the best things about um about the opening of the game is that it's both um. It's grand, but again, and I said this before, but it's, it's intimate in in its sadness, right? Like it's very grand, and the nexus is really grand and almost like biblical in its proportions mm. and mm. its sort of like religious There's kind of vibe. To it. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And then the Bolateria Castle when you first see it is, you know, huge and impressive and intricate. And it's like when you're first playing that, it's and you're seeing all these different walkways. Sometimes I feel like at times it can it has the potential to feel overwhelming because it's almost like, well, how am I possibly going to explore mm. all of this stuff with all these dangerous enemies? Each each enemy can kill me um in and of itself if I'm not if I'm not really careful. How am I possibly going to explore this whole place safely um staying alive? You can't level up in the first hour until you've done the boss. Mm-hmm. Um but even with all it, it doesn't it doesn't ever feel overwhelming and that's partly Due to the pacing and the way that they like put enemies in front of you in the in the opening areas, it's quite generous. I was going to say the word generous, but this is hard because it felt generous for me as a veteran player playing it again. It's like, oh, this <laughs> yeah. actually ain't that. It's not <laughs> that hard. Um, but for new players, obviously, it is. Um, but even I think the thing that makes it feel like it's not overwhelming too much, too overwhelming is not only the enemy placements and they're not too savage. Um, but also but it, i think it is that sense of it is like that sadness that the game almost has and like your character and the people that you talk to have and you know strava when you meet him like he's not like wow thank you so much for mm-hmm. rescuing me mm-hmm. he's like you know he's really like dour the serious um and that sadness and that seriousness that all the characters have and they're not getting ahead of themselves it kind of uh, even though in terms of world design and level design and visuals, it's really grand and overwhelming in like emotion and sensation and vibe that it gives you. It's really like grounded and, you know, not getting ahead of itself. So it never feels it, it almost feels not low key, but but, you know, like kind of down to earth all the time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think yeah, and the the design of the castle I think definitely feeds into that. There is like a past glories feel to it Yeah, there is It feels like, like a, lived it. It feels like there yeah. the, you know, this is a formerly great civilization. It's yeah, not it's like, great anymore. Yeah, Mrs. Havisham's, you know, grand house that's sort of actually you look a bit closer and it's all a bit decrepit and a bit ruined. And yeah, and I think the Having you play through in soul form as opposed to like your human when you've got your body form for a large part of that is quite a formative thing, both in terms of narrative and in terms of what it teaches you about the game, because it I think it takes it away from making it feel like a hugely negative thing or a lesser state. I mean, you have less health when you're in soul form. But even in that opening area, you can find a ring that reduces the the penalty of that. I think by default, you have half health if you're in soul form. And that, I think, makes it maybe three quarters instead of half or 66% instead of half. I'm not sure. Um, but it teaches you to play the game. It kind of, it's a, I find it oddly encouraging. It teaches you to to kind of believe that you can do it it's not just a negative thing. It's not just, Oh, now I've lost my human form. Oh, now the game's going to be so much harder. I can't do this. The only way really to beat this is to be in my proper whole human form. It makes you go through a certain amount of the game. It makes you beat a boss uh, and all in soul form. And you're like, okay, I, I understand that I can do this. I understand that this is almost the default way to play the game. Um, and yeah. that has knock-on effects for, like, the tendency thing that we were talking about, depending mm-hmm. on how you want to play it and how much attention you want to pay to that. And if you don't, then that's absolutely fine. If you want to spend your entire time always trying to be in human form and, and never sort of, you know, viewing it as a, as if you view it as a negative thing when you're in soul form, you can, you can do that. That's not a, it's not right or wrong. Uh, I think the game just does a good job of kind of, boosting you up and saying, you know, you've got this. You you did a certain amount of this game right at the beginning as your first experience in your lesser form. So if that happens to you again, or when that happens to you again, don't worry about it. You've you you've proven already that you can do this. And I I think that's quite a hopeful and I don't think that's I probably didn't feel like that on the first time of playing it through. But this time when I go back and sort of look at it and look at what that opening hour might be saying about the rest of the game and even the rest of the the series. Um, I feel like that's a quite a hopeful message despite, I do agree. Yeah. Despite the fact that the rest of it is very, it is very low key. It's very kind of understated. It's quite, quite um melancholic. It's quite, yeah, it's, you know, some of the people you speak to are just, they're survivors of war. Basically there's like this huge yeah. apocalypse has happened and they're there and they've lost their family and they're just doing the best that they can. They're just doing this little bit to try and help out. Um
0: Yeah, in relation to that, I like the fact that there's very few people that you can interact with as well. Like, like apart Mm. from killing them, (laughs) Um, like because it doesn't. It makes the world feel like it's grounded in the reality that's separate from your presence. Like the like when you arrive, the enemies aren't all like waiting for you. They well, they are waiting for you, but they're not like lined up in in um. Uh what do you call it formation, like mm-hmm. waiting for your arrival, like defending the castle, like you just happen to come across them, they just happen to be there um so I guess what am I trying to say? I mean like uh, it makes the whole place, even though it does have that kind of low key vibe, it plays into that low key vibe in an interesting way by not having you be like the center of attention of the world. Yeah you know like as you move through it okay you get to memorize where all the enemies are and and all that stuff but as you move through it and until you come to the bosses like or maybe the dragons um there's nothing really to suggest that anyone cares (laughs) that you're even there (laughs) apart from the people in the nexus like the dredglings or the the blue knights the blue eyed knights or whatever, they couldn't care less they just see you whenever you come across them um, and then they'll react to it, but they don't. They're looking for you. They don't see you as any special individual that they yeah. need to sort of take a certain shine to or sharpen their weapons for before you. Before you arrive, so it makes
1: um You're not the hero. You're just a person. Yeah, there's Just yeah. another person come to try. You know, to either to try and grab souls or to be a savior. Um, yeah, I and think I think that makes, somebody in the Nexus talks about. It's like, yeah, what, you know, here's another one. Like, what are you? What you know? Yeah, are you here yeah. for yourself or for for others? Kind of
0: thing. Yeah, and I think that makes each area of the game feel more feel more interesting because it doesn't feel like it's pandering to you. Although, obviously, in its core design, it it's a one player game. Um, and if you don't do it, if you don't interact with it, then the game is kinda of dead. But I don't want to get too, you know, philosophical about it. <laughs> it may but, be the case but, in general. Um yeah. but it makes it specifically the opening area. And I think Boletaria is uh I don't know, is it like the best area in any souls game? Like it might be. Like I think it is just like oozing with personality it's one of the most
1: memorable i think yeah for sure like that yeah. first
0: vision of it and it's so tall yep. in front of you yep. and it's like whoa okay this like before you've even before you've even swung your sword and i know you've already played through the tutorial and you might have found that difficult and and died but if you skip the tutorial which you can can you skip the tutorial if you've never played the tutorial i don't before? know
1: if you i was given the option to but i have played previously Played, so i don't know i don't know if you can do that if you yeah. uh, if
0: you've never um done but yeah but your first vision of the game of the game worlds proper is you know just that giant however mm. many stories that castle is um and you spend the whole of your most of your first hour going all the way to the top winding all the way to the top unlocking a shortcut if you want to or if you find it um and then having to go all the way back down again and defeat mm. that defeat that boss on the way down as well. And it's slightly after where you played to, but on the way back down, after you go past the dragon, the burns the bridge, mm-hmm. kills most people on it. After that, you then just you pull the the lever and the gate mm-hmm. opens up and the, and the boss is revealed. Um, on the way down, that if you go if you carry on, you can turn back I think and go back the way you came. But if you carry on, and go down those stairs, you come across the hoplites, those little. Blobs with a big yes. shield and a spear that yep. that cover the the first yep. boss. Um, and I know this is quite bait it's quite a an obvious thing, and lots of games do it that they'll put like little MIDI versions of the bosses or yeah, mini versions of yeah, like yeah. oh here's a yeah. move that's similar to what the boss has that's coming mm. up. But I think putting those hoplites even though the boss itself is quite easy, but. But we'll come to that. But the the hoplites being on the stairs on a narrow mm-hmm. little passageway yep. with their shields and they're just so and have to awkward get and them. horrible. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I ended up using a flame flask, an oil flask, whatever they're called, on, on yep. one of them, and then the second one is actually a bit easier to sort of sneak around and oh, not sneak around, but you know, hop around and and yeah. kill them from behind. And once you get them from behind, they're they're easy. But but that the the awkwardness with which you have to tackle those opening hot and then you see like 50 of them surrounding the yeah. phalanx it's like oh no like yeah. what am I what am I gonna do here so it's a it's a clever well it's not clever necessarily but it's a good piece of foreshadowing for the boss in that before you've even faced the boss even though it looks ridiculous and silly that boss mm-hmm. You see all those hoplites and you're just like, oh God, and you're just dreading it before you've yeah. even, before, I mean, you've had a little out- taste.
1: You've had a little taste of what what it is to t- face one of those and you just do that kind of mental calculation of, well, that is like that times yeah. 20 or 50 mm-hmm. or however many of them they are. Yeah, I mean, it turns yeah.
0: out you can use fire on it and it's, spoiler, you can use fire on it. but yeah. pretty easy to kill. Um, but I remember, I mean, and, that, and that's what I did. I used fire on it this time. But when I first played that, I must have. I died a few times before yeah, before um, figuring out that fire was um, was the way to go.
1: I think it, yeah that it was that very short but specific passage of yes you open the you open the gate uh, you've got access to the boss now. But even there, I think that the Boletaria Castle does a lot of teaching you stuff and, and that's obvious, but it does a lot of like you have to go there first. You can't go through another archstone before you've gone and done that bit. And the reason for that is because despite the fact that you've just done a 15 or 20 minute tutorial, that is the real tutorial that teaches you so much about the game in terms of it gives you kind of courtyards to fight in and corridors to fight in. You learn either explicitly or whether you're paying attention or not is another matter. That's what we touched on earlier. This idea that the game gives you information if you're willing to accept it or even um, digest it. It shows you that if you're in a corridor and you're, you're swinging a weapon like an, an axe, you're going to have problems because you're, it's narrow and you're gonna, your weapon's going to glance off the wall. You learn that stuff and that's, a, that's important. Like that's an important thing that the castle teaches you in that environment where they've got control of you have to pass through this area. This is what the well. This isn't necessarily what you're going to learn, but this is the information we're going to present to you. Whether and it's up to you whether you whether you do learn. I guess whether yeah. you take that on board.
0: Well, in, in in um when I played it through last year or whatever it was when it when it came out when it first came out as a game I got with PS5, and um <clears throat> because of the issues with swinging your sword in corridors, mm-hmm. I went for the spear <laughs> mm-hmm. because the spear you poke forward, so, you, so yeah. you very rarely have that kind of. Yeah. That kind of problem. So I suppose it taught me don't use a sword.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's like the end. there's all the different enemies with their different attacks and different timings. There's the different like exploration. It It rewards you for exploration. But it doesn't at no point, and this is what I'm building up to with that bit where you open the drawbridge and then you have to make your way down to fight this thing. There's not very many times when you can take anything for granted. Just because you've opened that boss gate, that doesn't mean you can then just fully healed up and ready to go walk through the gate and fight the boss you have to fight your way down to it and you can die on your way to the boss there's there's a lesson i think in assumptions and just because i've done x that doesn't mean i'm home free kind of thing just because i you know it looks like i can now face the next challenge yeah you haven't
0: turned the tap off just because you've down, yeah, either. and there's the still, still there's flowing. still
1: yeah, you have to still be alert. You can definitely die. I mean, you can fall down that staircase. It's very deliberately mm. done in that way that it's quite narrow and if you have to try and get around the back of an enemy and you misstep, you can fall down and and kill yourself through the, you know, the sort of ignoble death of of falling down a flight of stairs. So, yeah, there's a lot that you're taught during that that first hour or so um or again a lot of information that you're presented with and it's up to you to learn from that or not uh that i think that's the that's one of the you know i really like those kinds of tutorials where you learn through doing not just through reading that x is to jump and you know r2 is to attack whatever yeah they're just easier to remember as well like yeah, well, it's sometimes, le- it's like JRPGs, rather than just read it, right? Like you've yeah. actually, oh, I understand now. That if I swing this here, then this is going to happen, or if I, I need to be, you know, it's yeah. There's more yeah. you learn more through doing than you do yeah. through just reading the instructions. I,
0: mean, I, I love JRPGs. I, I play them, but I mean, gosh, the way that they do tutorials, so it's just like walls mm. of text, I and mean, it's like, God, you expect you to remember all of this,
1: like, yeah just upfront. yeah, put me in front of something and let me use it and then yeah and then i'll i'll find out how it works so yeah so for me it was it was a it was pleasurable going back and playing that first hour of demon souls it has made me want to continue with it where previously i hadn't uh hadn't got round to playing the remaster yet so yeah and i think it is it is certainly one of the most memorable opening sequences to a souls game um yeah I, I think, think one yeah. of the
0: reasons for that as well um and we we are coming to the ends but um the nexus itself because mm. um, I think uh, with the tutorial and the learning and the stuff that we've um speaking been speaking about, I think the other big thing is is and we touched on this, but it's that sense of place it has such a strong sense of place to it, I think arguably the most sense of place in the opening hour of any, including Bloodborne, which which does, which does it well and the start well as, well. as well. Yeah. But yeah. the sense of place that it creates here um, uh, with Bolateria, with the opening tutorial area and with the Nexus, like the three locations that you'll get in the first hour or, you know, depending on how fast you play. Mm-hmm. Um, like little things in a Nexus, like having you walk up loads of flights of stairs all the time and there's not just like an easy menu option to like, access that bit of the... Mm-hmm the you know the systems um and everyone in there's so like down and they're speaking in such like hushed tones almost you know like reverential to the place that they don't want to upset the place itself and like you Mm. know the colors get a giant statue in there like everything feels old and big and um almost like you're trespassing in it almost um and that and that sense of like that does a brilliant job of setting up what's to come basically like in that first hour you've got such a distilled sense of what what you're about to be um, yeah what you're about to be exploring what you're about to be
1: thrown up against and it sets them up i think also to then be able to subvert them all the better because you're you're presented with what is effectively a kind of a fantasy trope, like a fairy tale castle is that you have an understanding of where that exists in the world or why it exists or the, the sense of story around it. And then as you progress through the game, it takes that kind of initial image of a, a fantasy castle and then yeah, twists it into various other uh, kind of grotesque forms or areas or environments that are are made all the more, uh, impactful because of their kind of ha- where they sit on the spectrum versus that big, that initial image of that big kind of imposing castle. And that's... Yeah, yeah I suppose that's... there
0: are a lot of like cl- classic fantasy tropes in Demon Souls, castles, dragons, knights, you know, mm. uh, special swords and rings of power and all this. But it doesn't feel cheesy, like, ever.
1: No, well, it just gets weirder from there. I mean, that <laughs> flying weird mantis lightning things etc um yeah but it is yeah it's it's impactful because it's done well rather than it doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a cliche because it's it's yeah it's done so well
0: yeah all right, so that's the opening hour of Demon Souls. So I've played it game recently. I'm not going to go back and play through the whole thing <laughs> game recently. Not with Elden Ring about to come out, but you, <laughs> got you a couple are, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm
1: gonna, yeah, oh no, yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep everybody posted. That does just as a very quick addendum, uh, which has got nothing to do with Demon Souls, although I did call my character Celine because uh, I've been playing Returnal recently. Uh, anybody that was listening to our our New Year's resolution gaming resolutions episode um, last week, I have now platinumed returnal so um that's the thing i'm going to be talking about more in the future but that's uh yeah just a little update there and i'll keep people posted on how my demon souls playthrough is going and and we can check back in and you can see if i'm failing miserably uh starting with confidence i think i'm gonna be fine but yeah we'll see how quickly that falls apart
0: okay well i haven't completed any of my resolutions yet i have started playing toham so i am on the road playing mm-hmm. all the black and white games so i can and get my hands <laughs> <on>. <laughs> um otherwise uh otherwise that was our demon souls opening our episode a reminder you can follow us on twitter we are at indie by design we're at Indie by design on all social media uh, platforms channels and you can visit indiebydesign.net to take a look and buy the books that we make Otherwise, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time.